Welcome to the Free to Choose Media Podcast. Today's podcast is titled Women and Management Styles. Recorded in 1993, Judy B. Rosner, professor of management at UC Irvine and Virginia Postrel, editor at Reason Magazine, discuss the results of Rosner's research on the management styles of women. Rosner and Postrel debate whether the corporate culture properly values the unique perspective women bring to the workplace. Listen now, and don't forget to subscribe to get updates each week for the Free to Choose Media Podcast. So, are women bosses less bossy than men? Well, I'm interested that you asked that question. Why do you? Why are you asking that question? Well, it's it's a neat sort of journalistic, provocative summing up of your Harvard Business Review article on women's leadership styles. Okay, I was just curious to know whether you you think women are bossier than men and whether or not you've heard people say that and that's why you asked no, the question. No, no, no. It's just a okay. Yeah. Well let me let me put this in context in order to answer because I can't give you a yes or no answer. Uh, for a long time I've been convinced that women really behave differently than men in organizations, uh, particularly leading organizations. So I'm talking about professional women upper level women. I'm not talking about secretaries or people, you know, wiring on the shop floor. So I want to make that clear. Um, and if you look in the literature, being an academic, I read all the studies and, and I kept reading that there was no difference. Men and women were the same. Didn't really matter. Uh, and as I read the studies, I found some interesting things because most of these studies are done of large corporations because our model is large corporations. And so they looked at men and they looked at women in these large corporations and all these articles and studies said they look exactly the same. And I knew a lot of women who were running organizations or were in organizations who in my opinion didn't look the same at all. And my husband's a businessman so I'm not unfamiliar with, with men running businesses. And um, I thought, what is this? Something's wrong. I'm looking at all these women and they seem very different than the men, and yet all the literature says they look the same. And it occurred to me that the reason they look the same was in order to get ahead in an organization that is built on male values, you have to be like a male. So all the women who got to the top of these organizations look like men because that was the only way they could get there. And I asked myself, what happened to all those women who didn't want to be that way, who didn't want to act like the men. When you say act like men, what do you mean? Okay, well, and that's what I'm going to get to, the yeah. differences between males and females. In, in most organizations, we have what we call a command and control style of leadership. Now, I'm just talking about leadership, but it also talks, will tell you about how people work in the organization, which is the decisions come from the top. It's assumed the people at the top know best. They have all the information and knowledge and they then delegate downward and say, this is what we're going to do. We'll make the plans and we'll delegate all these jobs for you and then we'll give you a reward. And as an individual, we give you a task, you get a reward and it's very clear what you do, what your job is, what your task is. Uh, and then you provide information up to us. Okay, we'll make the decision. So um, most organizations are characterized by top-down decision-making, very clear lines of authority. Uh, a kind of uh, feeling that the people at the top know more than the people at the bottom, right? Now, the people at the top just happen to be white males. We're not blaming them. That's an accident of history. But most organizations were patterned after the church and the military. So they're very bureaucratic and they, they're a pyramid, you know, fewer people get to the top. So the behavior that's exhibited is male behavior. Now, let me give you an example. You work long hours. 
hard work equals motivation. So you come real early and you work real late. Now, men could do that because the women were at home taking care of their family and their laundry and their meals and everything else. So the women who wanted to make it had to act like the men. They had to come real early and stay real late, but they didn't have any husbands at home taking care of them, okay? But they had to learn to play golf because a lot of decisions are made on the golf course. So they had to learn to play golf. They wore suits that looked like men with little bow ties because they didn't want to look too sexual. They didn't want to look like women because that would destroy the image. So they all started wearing navy blue striped suits to look like men. Anyway, so this is a long answer to a short question. Now, I said to myself, what happened to all those women who don't want to play golf, who feel that they don't need 12 hours to do an eight-hour job, who feel that they want to wear a dress and not a suit? What, where did they go? So I decided to study women who were very successful. I didn't know what kind of organizations they were in. I didn't know what they did match them to men, and see if, in fact, they did behave differently. And what I found was dramatic differences between men and women. But the women, it turned out, were not in large corporations, were not in bureaucratic organizations. They were in small, fast-changing, service-oriented, entrepreneurial, international organizations, which are, as it turns out, better suited to the non-male type leadership. So to sort of play devil's advocate right. and sort of agree with you, I would argue that what you're seeing is not just women's styles versus men's styles. What you're seeing are you, when you were first saying most organizations are like this, what you really meant is most traditional giant Fortune right. 500 corporations exactly. are like that. Most organizations are not traditional right. giant Fortune 500 come. And the other thing is there's, I would say that there's a change over time. There was right. a certain post-World War II organization man idea and men who didn't fit into that category had the same problem. Didn't get ahead of me right. beyond a certain point. Um, and what we've seen is a change toward, if I hate to do this, yeah. but a baby boomer type yeah. organization, uh, more emphasis on the self-fulfillment in the workplace as opposed to just the job as paycheck and motivation and more brain work, whether it's on the factory floor more brain work or in uh, brain work type op occupations. And therefore, in terms of managing people where you need something that's not routine, you have to manage in a different way, whether you're male or female. Okay, but let me tell you why this is a big hot issue. Uh, first place, you're absolutely correct, but what I wanted to point out is our model is still these large Fortune 500 companies, which first of all, only employ 10% of the people in the United right. States. Secondly, which are obsolete. Third, which are, would be the slowest to change, and we're seeing this, they're all falling apart because they haven't been adaptable. It's like a steamship trying to ch you know, turn around. Uh, so you're absolutely correct, but I wanted to point out our model is still this male model. I mean, to be successful is to be like a male. This has not changed. And women have been disadvantaged, have not been promoted because they haven't behaved like males. So now we have to get back to what you mean when you say to behave like a male. We've established it means to work long hours and wear a suit. Okay. What else does it mean? Okay, it means to um, not spend too much time uh, with um, kind of talking about how you feel. It means being concerned about what you do as opposed to talking about how you feel, and we can talk about that, which is a male characteristic, being very uh, declarative, very uh, linear in your thinking, as opposed to 
a pejorative word called scatterbrain associated with women, meaning your information is all up around you and you bring it together in a kind of gestalt, holistic way, which we call intuition, which is considered non-rational because it's been labeled that way by men. It's been defined as non-rational. So analytic rather than synthetic. Well, but see, analytic is, a lab is, again, a label which is pejorative word. What I'm saying is the way we, in which we process information, and I will contend that men and women in general uh, process information differently, is that men process it in a very segmental, linear way. Women process it in a, in a much more of a, a holistic way for reasons we can discuss. It's a whole other issue. Okay, but let's assume for the minute that that's correct. We have said that if you're going to make it, you've got to really think in this linear fashion, that if you think in more, I've got a hunch, or I've got a gut feeling, that's, con that's considered a no-no. Okay, that's not being managerial in our model. If you just ask people to trust your hunches or if you give them a reason why it might, well, I mean, but it, are you arguing that everyone should just trust people's no, no. hunches without any argument no, no. for why? No, no. I'm suggesting that our model, you asked me what's the model. The model is not to use hunches, to, but to be able to document every kind of part of your decision in a, in a way that's very logical, put together, okay? And yet if you look at some of the most successful businessmen, that's not the way they think. But that's still our model. You asked me what mm -hmm. the model was. So in other words, this is not a actually a male characteristic or a female characteristic. It's two different models of doing work. Well, so successful many successful businessmen are synthetic in the way they think or uh, as opposed to, no. I, when I use analytic okay. and synthetic, I mean breaking things down versus putting right. things no, together. Right, no, I understand. Okay, but I will argue there are gender differences. And I, I think mm -hmm. I can make the case. So. It's, it's very easy to say it's just a matter of differences. What my study showed, and these were statistically significant differences, that in general, men, and, I'm gonna, and I'll, we'll discuss why, tend to prefer this very, what I call, command and control style, and women tend to prefer the interactive style. It doesn't mean all women are all men, but I mean, there are statistically significant differences. Mm -hmm. Now, those differences, whether they're biological or whether they're learned, is something we can talk about. I would suggest to you they're a combination of both. There's a lot of split brain research that suggests that men and women, as you know, the brain connecting um, corpus callosum and so forth between the brain are very different. There are people like Dr. Joseph Bogan, who was uh, one of the original split brain researchers, uh, Doreen Kimura in Ontario, who will tell you that men and women process information differently. Okay, but in addition to that, we're socialized to to identify, to resolve conflict differently. I mean, we are socialized from the time we're little girls and little boys to do things in a very different manner. So I think it's a combination of both. So I first want to say we, we have a, um, mm -hmm. I, I do definitely believe it's mm -hmm. gender related. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, now I have, I think that women are hurt by the idea that your job is about the way you feel that the purpose of work is to make you happy. I didn't say that, uh, No, 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 yeah. I'm not saying you said that. I'm saying this is something that I have yeah. said that, that I've observed, particularly in young women first entering the workplace, that they, they very much think that the workplace, in a sense, to be very pejorative, revolves around them and their feelings rather than the work product. And I would argue that focusing on the work product, not ignoring, any manager will tell you he or she has to pay attention to how the 
employees feel. The, the army even, even spends a lot don't. of time. Even though they don't. But the army spends a lot they of time about worrying it. about morale. Yeah. So, you know, how You're effective right. somebody is at dealing with those issues has right. something to do with how good a manager they are. But the workplace, I would argue, is not about how you feel. It's about okay. what's But what I don't think doing. anyone's suggesting that. And I would argue something differently. Let me, let me tell you what the thesis is and, and what the outcome of my research is. And that is that because organizations, and most, most organizations, uh, have been based on male values, attitudes, and behaviors, and we have an assimilation model, which means if you want to get to the top, you have to be like those at the top, and the top are white males, straight white males. What you're really saying to people is, and, and that's the best model, and the word difference is pejorative. It isn't different. It's better or worse. The minute my research came out in the Harvard Business Review, people said, I said women were better. I never said women were better leaders. I said they were different. Well, and I would I would fault you for one thing in that article, right. which is that you don't paint the whole picture. In other words, there's no discussion of dealing with problem employees or even the idea that women managers have problems with employees, that they might have employees who are underperforming or they might have employees who don't get along with other people. I don't understand. Well, men there was no discussion. Problem. It did paint this sort of beautiful picture no. of everyone being very harmonious. No, no it didn't. Uh, no, agreeing. I think you misinterpreted. The point well, was... The I don't think that was the point of the article. I'm saying I can understand why people no, said you said women are better no, because there was I, no okay. conflict. No, let me disagree with you. The reaction was very predictable. Because we look at the word difference as pejorative, better or worse, whenever you say something's different, you say, is it better or is it worse? We have a model, which is our standard. That standard is the male model, okay? Now, the reaction to my findings were that by saying women had attributes that were valuable and positive to the workplace, everyone said, oh, you're saying they're better. I didn't say they were better. I am saying that women have been devalued, marginalized, not promoted because they share information and power, because they're very concerned about relationships and feelings, because they empower those below them, because they behave in a way that is seen as, quote, feminine, therefore not masculine, therefore not leader-like. And I'm suggesting to you only that we value both. Let me give you an example. The Clintons. Let me give you an example. People are very confused about Hillary and Bill Clinton, and I'll tell you why. Because Bill Clinton acts more like a female leader, and Hillary Clinton acts more like a male leader. Now, they, to me, epitomize what I'm trying to say in my work, which is putting the two together, where they're both seen as valuable, where they respect each other is the best of all worlds. One brings in a lot of information, is concerned about how people participate, empowers them, and the other gets to the quick and says, okay, now let's take all this and let's get to an answer. I would suggest I agree you, with you about the Clintons, but I'd say given those leadership attributes, they're in the wrong job. Oh, because you're saying <laughs> leaders should be masculine. See, you're, you're falling into the trap and you're doing exactly what I suggest. You think to be a leader is to be a Hitler. You know, no, it's to no. be a decision wait, maker. Wait, wait, wait. It's to I be a get think, in there and, I do think, and kick ass. That's the way we I talk about no, it no, in no, male terms. I, I disagree and I think you're being unfair. I, I do think that to be a leader You're is saying he should be like her. What does no, that no, mean? No, no, no. I'm saying they both have valuable attributes. But the person 
who is the buck stops here decision maker ought to be the president of the United States, not the other way around. But in other words, they're both valuable. And in fact, I would argue that what is emerging and, and the best managers have attributes of both they do. in themselves. But not they tend to prefer people. one. Yeah. Um, but that there is, and this is a criticism people make of Bill Clinton, I think validly, there is a problem with people who cannot make a decision and take responsibility for but, it. And but so you're making an assumption he can't make a decision. He's made lots of decisions. He doesn't make them like most men make them. No, he, That's the point. Well, now we're talking about politics. I no, see him no. backpedaling on every decision he makes. Well, I mean, you know, so did so did Reagan and so did Bush and so did every leader. So but the manner. Oh, of course. So did Reagan. Reagan was going to balance the budget. You forget. Well, that was a decision he made. That was a promise. Oh, okay. Those are two but different things. But the point I want to make to you is you see what you're suggesting, Virginia, is exactly what I'm trying to deal with, and that is it is so deeply ingrained in us that to be a leader is to be male-like, to take charge, not to ask other people for information, to be all-knowing, to be declarative, to not mess around with how people feel. This is so deeply ingrained in us. I'm not saying it's bad or good. Because I of think the way, you are. <laughs> no, no, because the way we're socialized. I'm suggesting there's more than one way to lead. And that until in organizations we begin to value people who are different than the traditional male model, women will be underutilized, they'll be marginalized, they will be unproductive, and they will feel not wanted. And that's why women are leaving companies, starting their own. And by the way, if you study, which we are, organizations run by women and by men that are very successful, and I can talk to you about them, they are run by people like Clinton, they are profitable, and they're doing very well. Well, now, there are contradictions in what you're saying, because on the one hand, you say we don't value this. On the other hand, you say the very most successful, profitable companies have this. So no, I that said is some. I didn't it. say the or, most. Or many. Or many. I mean, that, two that, kinds. Well, or more I would two. just argue that if, if this is successful in the marketplace, as you're saying, that is we valuing it. The fact that General Motors may not value it, which is a large right. bureaucratic organization that doesn't value a lot of things. I mean, it doesn't value decision making, actually. I would argue it, that the right. nature of bureaucratic organizations is passing the buck. Right. Um, so I, I, I don't think you're, I, I think you're contradicting yourself no, in a sense. I'm not contradicting myself. I, let me see if I can articulate in a better way. What I'm suggesting to you is that for reasons which we, ha we haven't gone into yet, we have a notion that is so deeply ingrained in us as to what constitutes, quote, a good manager and a good leader, which is to be male-like, whether you accept that or not. This is why you don't find women progressing, and the only way to get any place is to get out and start their own companies or go to small companies that are changing where they don't care what your style is as long as you produce, where diversity is valued. See, it isn't just gender. Well, isn't that better? I mean, isn't See, it better to why have do people we, go to places why do we, they, well, We're not talking about better or worse. Effective? I'm trying to talk about changing organizations so that we utilize all of our human resources in this country. We have millions of women with degrees, with experience, who are blocked because they don't want to play golf and they don't want to work 90 hours a week and they don't want to go out and drink afterwards and they don't want to swear and they don't want to tell dirty jokes and they don't well, want to behave men like that too well, and there I, are but there there are many more few because it's much more consistent with the male socialization 
to be in the club. And I'm and I will suggest to you that um, all I'm saying is that if you look at underemployment, unemployment, pay equity, sex segregation, and underrepresentedness, you will see that women in the United States are not valued. Now that's a huge resource we have. If, if we used the women and valued them, they would be more productive. They would bring innovation because they have new ways of looking at things. And what we're doing is saying, I mean, look at most of our organizations, look at our educational institutions, look at government. Are you telling me there are no women in this country who are good enough to be presidents of universities, uh, six women in the Senate? I mean, come on. Well, the Senate is a very different no, kind of organization. No, but but you've said, well, you keep saying most organizations are this way, and then they you are. contradict yourself. No, no. most organizations are. are small and not, you mean the most, most organizations, organ even smaller, run by men. Well, I mean, no, wait a minute. A is fact. the difference the management styles or is the difference the gender? I'm saying that in general, when a company is small and it's service oriented and it's, and it's entrepreneurial and it's growing, it, you know, it's growing. No one cares what style, because you're all going to have to do a lot of things. You're comfortable with ambiguity, which in general, women are more comfortable with ambiguity than our men. Okay, and we can go into that again, having to do with socialization. So that what happens is I'm just suggesting to you, the opportunities for women are much better in these companies. But if you look, if you took all the companies in the United States, the percentage that are run by women is very small. I mean, look at law firms. I mean, look at law firms and CPA firms, which I've studied. Now, are you going to tell me that women that get out of Harvard and Stanford and all these other places are, are just so inferior to men that they can't make partner? I go around speaking well, to law firms and they have me come because they say, for some reason, we just, the women are leaving in droves. You know why? Because we don't value them. Well, if, I mean, you talk about CPA firms. If, They're the worst. If, well, it's not surprising if what you say is true, given the characteristics that are stereotypically associated with an accountant. I mean, it's the most right. anal, <laughs> analytical kind That's of true. thing. It's not, accounting is not intuitive. Most of the CPAs graduating <laughs> are women. That's what's so ironic. Well, that's an interesting question. Why do women become CPAs? If women are like you say, I mean, to me, right. it's, it sounds like a horrible kind of thing, work I, to do, but, but people do it. So I think people are probably doing it for reasons that have something they think to they can do make with, money status, with exactly, right. exactly. That is not, and, and but that's then, if in fact they exhibit these characteristics that you say, it's not terribly surprising that they become frustrated right. and leave. That's what happens. It's not necessarily that the firms are actively oppressing women or passively no, they don't even oppressing know what they're women. Doing. You know, th that it's the nature of the work. No, it is. But isn't. let me let okay. me get back to something that you said, and I think it's something we agree on. So that, yeah. which is that women, and I would say women and men, do best in a workplace where the point is to get the job done, not to play golf, not to swear, not to go yeah. drinking, whatever. No, but those are part of that, the culture. No, no, yeah. No, I'm not disagreeing yeah. Yeah. that that culture right. exists in some organizations. I'm saying that you're saying women and men do best in places. And women particularly, where the point is the work. The point is getting the job done. The point is the, true the reason we're here. Sure, and I completely agree with that. Absolutely. But that goes back to my original point about feelings versus the work. But you're making the assumption if people are talking about feelings, they're not working. No, Virginia. no, no, no. no. I'm not making that assumption well, because I had the whole discussion like. of 
of morale and, right. and the importance, particularly in brain work, of, of right. keeping people motivated. But there is a difference between that which we have in common, right. the work effort, and that which is individual, individual okay. feelings, individual right. attitudes, individual ambitions, etc. And it does seem like perhaps, it's funny because I'm a very individualistic person, but that what we ought to try to do is create management culture that is puts the work primary rather than saying certain but, styles no, are, are no, characteristic of this group. You. Let me explain to you what I'm saying. Uh, I use the movie Thelma and Louise, and I say to people, have you gone to see the movie Thelma and Louise with someone of the opposite sex? Because this is a good example, it seems to me, and then I'll get back to the point. I went, I've been married 42 years to the same man. I know my husband very, very well. We went to see the movie. He said, great movie. I said, great movie. I said, what did the movie mean to you? And he said, well, women can do what men can do. They can shoot. They can, they can swear. They can do this. It's a, it's a female Sundance kid. And I said, Joe, you missed the whole point of the movie from my point of view. The movie was about I'd rather be dead than controlled. He said, what are you talking about? If you talk to most women who saw that movie, they see how the women felt. And men see what the women did. And what I would suggest to you is men talk about what they do and women talk about how they feel. Now, I'm not saying one's better or worse. So what happens in the workplace is the men talk about what they do. They went fishing. They went the ball game. That's okay. But the women talk about how they feel and you feel they're not working. Now, I don't mean you personally, but the feeling is that talking about feelings is somehow inconsistent with getting a job done, but talking about fishing or golf or, or someone else's wife is okay. And the truth is that both kinds of talk are, you know, you, you don't just get to work and not talk about anything. But I'm suggesting to you that when men hear women, and I, I'm writing a new book in which I have a whole chapter on how men feel, and I've been interviewing men all over the country, they will tell you, women are always babbling about their kids in this. And women will say, well, men are always babbling about, you know, the, the ball game and the this and the that. The point is that in a work situation, you get the work done, but you all converse. But we look at the way women converse as non-work related and the way men converse is work related. That's my point, is that subconsciously, the way in which women view the world is seen as not related to the achievement of the task. And I don't think women go to work saying, oh, I want to be comfortable and loved. And that, that's not the truth at all. Young women. It's just that they want to act young like women. women do. No, I, I, mean, I think they want to say, I want to be can... able to be myself. Judge me on what I do, not what I talk about, not how I dress, not how I manage. And let me give you an example. Long hours don't mean commitment. A lot of those men are doing nothing. And women who go home and take care of the sick kid, because they call the mother and not the father, we talk about family values. As someone said, if they're so great, why don't men want to share in them? We, the woman still has this responsibility for family. All the men talk about it a lot. Okay, But the point is, the woman can get the job done in four hours, and the man, it may take eight. And we think that the number of hours you spent equals productivity, and it doesn't. And this is a male male performance criteria. Well, I have to say the worst person I've ever worked for who had that was woman. But well, I mean, <laughs> who, you, know, you know, we can all find but, examples. Uh, I had that so I'm just saying, but, but let's get back to your original question about being bossy. Uh, if okay. you want to, because yeah, sure. I'm, we're going all over sure. the place. But I mean, that was a legitimate question. 
See, I have this feeling, if you ask women, particularly secretaries or lower level mm -hmm. women, would they rather work with a man or a woman, they would much rather work with a man. But the reason is not because of the way in which the man uh, manages, but because men are associated with power. So you want to work with someone who you see as powerful. And because women are still devalued for a variety of reasons, if a secretary says, I work for a man, it's better than if I work for a woman. I will tell you even here at the university, it's very interesting. The secretaries call us by our first names and they call the men doctor and professor. Well, I'm a doctor and I'm a professor. And I once said to one of the secretaries, why is it you call the women by their first name? What this, the words you use structure the way you think. And women are seen as not as powerful, even to the secretaries, okay? So they look at us, they talk at us as familiar, the way you talk to a domestic or somebody, you know, you use a first name. You don't UCLA, they first name everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so the point is about bossy is, Women sometimes, the first wave, try to act masculine because they feel they'll be respected more. And so some of them tend to be, I think, overreact and become very bossy and overbearing. And I think there is some truth to the fact that some women feel that being that way is more consistent with our image. And so mm -hmm. I would suggest to you that in big companies particularly, you're going to find more bossy women. Now, I would go back, I would say that the Harvard Business Review article does paint a very rosy picture of this quote-unquote feminine style of leadership, yeah. if you um, Not necessarily because you were trying to say it's no, better, say it's different. I, but, yeah. but because in trying to say it's valuable, you ended up leaving out certain things that I like to I'd like to get you to talk about. Yeah, because I did mention are, the problems. I mean, if I mean, you read you the article, some, I mentioned yes, a lot of the problems. Some, some problems that right. you raised, but but thinking as a manager rather okay. than as a public policy right. writer or whatever, um, what would you say? How does this management style approach various kinds of okay. management problems? Okay, let me tell you what the problems I see in both styles, and as I say, I just. Uh, the article, the study just showed there were differences, and and what I think the reason the article has gotten so much attention is that the companies that are merging are international, entrepreneurial, service oriented, and fast changing, and so if these attributes that women have seem to do well there, it it, it appears that women are an untapped resource. Okay, I want to say that. However, there's some problems. Number one, if you share information in power and you say, look, at what do you think about this? You, to some people, are saying, I don't know what I'm talking about. The fact that I'm asking someone says, I don't know. That makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. So, and this is one of the things that people get disturbed about Clinton about. If you say, well, look, at if you, if you don't like my plan for cutting, give me, give me some ideas. I'll listen to them. That's new for us because we want someone in there when we're anxious, particularly to say, do this. That's, that's the appeal of Perot. He says, fix it. He says, get under the hood. He says, bring in a businessman. Other than the 50 cent tax, I haven't heard him give one concrete example of what to cut, like the super collider right. in his own state. The concrete but, examples came from John White. Right, yes. of course, exactly. <laughs> but the point is that people feel good about knowing that somebody knows it, right? So one of the things that makes you very vulnerable, this style makes you very vulnerable. Secondly, there, you run the risk, as you suggest. There are a lot of people who don't want to participate. 
They want to be told what to do. They want to go to work, say, do this, here's what, how much you make, and so forth. Uh, and, and here's what I'm suggesting, because I think your point is very well taken. I think we have to fit people who are comfortable with ambiguity, who are comfortable with sharing, together with that kind of leader. People who like, um, you know, kind of narrow, rigid, focused work tasks are very uncomfortable. With an accountants. Yeah, right, with an interactive <laughs> leader. What we have is we don't ever try to fit people, and I'm suggesting we need both kinds of leaders. And you're right, people don't just lead one way or the other, but they have a tendency. So I'm suggesting if I'm comfortable with a very command and control leader, then I ought to get in an organization where that's the kind of leader is because I'm going to work better. And don't put someone who's a very command and control person in with an interactive leader or put an interactive person in with a command control person because then they feel like they're being, um, you know, uh, they can't be innovative or creative. Right. Although in a small organization, you don't necessarily have that luxury. Right. And right. in fact, part of being a manager in a small organization is, fit is fitting Absolutely. people in together. See, and, I think, Virginia, where the argument is um, that, and, and what the controversy is about, we probably would agree on a lot of this, is I really feel that women are devalued because they don't act like men because in the workplace our model for success is male. And all I'm suggesting is that we men and women bring to the workforce very different kinds of ways of doing things. And what we should do is expand our value system, not replace it. I don't want to replace men with women, but I want to expand it so that we value both men and women. Well, don't you think the trends are in that direction? I mean, uh, the very fact that these companies that you talk about are the emerging okay. successful companies of the future as opposed to the companies of the past right. that were on a very different model that right. sort of modeled on the World War II, New Deal, right. very structured kind of thing. Well, let me tell you why I think it's not happening as fast. First of all, I go all over the country. I've been speaking to very large companies, Norfolk Southern, CSX, uh, Texas Instruments, Beckman, Hughes, you, you name it, American President's Line, so forth. Uh, they want to do something. They realize they've got a problem. But first of all, if you're in power, you have a vested interest in the status quo. I mean, look at the Congress. We're seeing this every day. Uh, unless you're convinced that the change is going to enhance your self-worth and your position, why would you change, okay? Now, the real guts of this problem is that men, unfortunately, get their self-esteem from work. Women get their self-esteem a lot of places. We bring the home with us in our womb every place we go. A man's home is work. So what's happened is women have brought their home with them to work, which is man's home, and men are saying, what am I? If women can do what I can do, who am I? I'm supposed to be the pr provider and protector. And what we're really talking about is work as a self-esteem, source of self-esteem for men is being challenged. And I think all of a sudden men are saying, yes, we should value women, but if we do, and if they can do what I can do, what does that say about me? We're also expanding the playing field, the competition. Before they only had to compete with men. Now they've got all these women to compete with. Men aren't taught to lose to women. So what I'm suggesting to you, this is very difficult for men. I, feel so, I don't feel sorry for women. You've got all well, kinds I mean, of but, options. I mean, I so guess why I would see, it change? Well, why would it change? You have younger people who are, are I mean, my, my generation is different. Not different Do in all respects. Do you think it's very different? 
Yes. I, I, think teach, I teach MBAs. Your husband teaches MBAs. I teach a course in diversity to MBAs. And we talk about gender. And you know what the young men, I've been teaching this course for 10 years, Virginia. And the young men say to me, when my wife or my girlfriend makes more money than I do, or is doing better than I do, I have a problem. I've had men in my class tell me they're impotent in a class over this issue. So, you know, well, I'm Well, they certainly are able to talk about their feelings. Right? What can yeah, I that's say? right. That's right. <laughs> but the, the point I want to make is this is a really difficult time for men because we're going through a period of gender flux. We have new roles. We don't have new rules. And I think men don't know what to do. They don't know how to act. And I, I think it's tough. It's but I think there is a difference if you go to school, live in co-ed dorms, right. spend your life in co-ed environments forever. But and, if your self-esteem comes from being in command, do you think that's going to change? Well, I don't think that all men get all their self-esteem from being in command and well, or, or, in control. or women. I, um, I, not different all people men. have different needs, needs for being in control of different aspects of their lives. I mean, everybody has a need for a certain level of control. That's right. There are degrees, but there are also areas of life. You know, well, I've just been interviewed. Some people are very, right. they have to have like everything in no. the exact right place on their desk. You know, well, I've been, extreme, I've been interviewing men. It's very interesting about how they feel working with women without giving you all my whole book. And it's very interesting because how they feel differs dramatically depending on whether they're supervising women, they feel fine. Collaborating with women, they feel okay. Competing with women, they're very uncomfortable. And working for women, they don't like it at all. And when you, I mean, that's an oversimplification. But when you start talking about this, they say, loss of control, I, I still have control if I'm supervising women. I've lost control if I'm working for women. Self-esteem, lots of self-esteem supervising women. Less self-esteem when a woman beats me in competition. As a matter of fact, when a, a woman is promoted over a man, the man says affirmative action, preferences. But when a man is promoted over a man, oh, he must be better. Now, isn't that interesting? It's assumed the woman's incompetent. And she got promoted because of affirmative action. But if a white male gets promoted, he must be better. That's so deeply ingrained. Well, it's that partly, I mean, if there were no affirmative action, there would not be that argument. No, but I mean, available. without discussing affirmative but, but, action, no, but you get I, my point. Yeah. So all I'm saying to you is that I'm very sympathetic to men right now because I think we are asking them to make changes which they see in the context of a zero-sum game, if women win, they lose. And that's a toughie. You, you may not agree well, with that. Let me ask you about one thing, yeah. because you talked about men have work at the center and women bring a multiple of things. It's not surprising to me if that's true. What do you that, mean work at the center? Well, uh, More focused? Oh, they're more focused yeah. on work. They derive right. their self-esteem yeah, from work, right. whatever you want to say. Uh, now. I think you can separate the issue somewhat of deriving your self-esteem from work versus from the amount of money you earn. And there is certainly, it certainly is the case that men over the years have been told you're as valuable as your right. paycheck the same right. way women are told you're as right. valuable as how good right. looking you are. Right. You know, uh, and those things are there and right. they change a little bit, but not entirely. But there's also, but that's a little bit different from work at the center. And I would argue that it's not surprising to find that organizations value those employees more 
who put work at the center. Right. I mean, that's Absolutely. only logical. Absolutely. I agree with it's, you. Because that's what the organization is about. Is about. Oh, it's not about making people happy. It's about the work. But but they're not and mutually exclusive. No, no, you keep saying they're that. not mutually exclusive. You can exclusive. make people happy well, and still work. If you hard. get happy from your work, obviously, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but so to the degree that women are more likely to trade off work for other concerns, okay. or to the degree that a man. You know, right. Maybe not men in general, but a no. particular okay. man, similarly, and whether those concerns are leisure or right. in general or the family or whatever, it seems perfectly logical okay, but let's, to me that the okay. um, organization would value those okay, people who but let's it, let's go back. You made two points that I think are really important points. One is, if your central life interest is work, obviously the organization should value more. That is assuming that people whose central life work, central life is not work, don't put in as much time. I'm suggesting. I'm not talking to, about time. No, I'm well, talking I'm talking productivity. See, what I'm suggesting to you is that I think, first place, if this society values families, we're going to have to look at the balance. And I think there are a lot of men who would like to see some kind of rearrangement so they don't have to have all their interests just in work. Okay, they've been socialized into that. But the second thing is that we should be looking at what people bring to their job and what task they can perform. Whether or not work is their central interest or not has nothing to do with what they contribute. Lots of people whose only interest in work are not very productive. No, no productivity so I'm just is saying, the important that's thing, the issue. obviously. And, it is and talk about, you keep talking about being happy. I'm saying when workers feel valued and good about themselves, they're more productive and they're more innovative. It has nothing to do with happiness. We have a lot of people at work because they don't feel valued, because they don't fit this mold, this one best right. model, are not productive. And I'm talking about making all kinds of people more productive. So I don't think we disagree, but I don't think we're talking about being happy. No. I think we're talking well, about being I think valued. If, if, well, the two are obviously right. related. You're more likely to be right. happy if you feel exactly. valued and if you feel... And that goes for men, too. Yeah, sure, everyone. I mean, and that goes back to this... But as Japan's finding out, just making people work really long and hard doesn't pay off. Oh, no. My, actually, my father is working in Japan for this year. Yeah. And it's very interesting... What's changing there? ...to talk to the young men that he works with who are closer to my age and say the young, they, they put in the hours but they right. don't right. believe that they're productive the young uh, people in japan by now the way it's are not really clear. changing the real question will be when they are not my father's age but a little younger than he is um and in control will they change that or will it just right. perpetuate itself well let's uh, to kind of wrap this up i just want to say i don't think we disagree on a lot i'm suggesting to you though we should be talking about valuing differences not as better or worse but is enabling us to maximize the use of all kinds of people male or female which i think we haven't done because we have devalued female kinds of attributes and and that's all i'm I'm suggesting is that you can be very productive and still talk about your feelings at work and as still be interested in balancing family and work. That's all I'm suggesting to you is that the male model doesn't work for everybody. And that has been our model. Well, and, and I guess I would agree with you to some degree. I disagree that we don't value those things. I think the very fact right. that the more dynamic growing the growth sector of the economy is allowing a more diverse it isn't but skill set personality set the bottom line's dictating is it. 
It's not well, because exactly, we, yeah. But that's what, to me, to me, valuing in this sense has to very much money. to do with money. <laughs> well, and I, then, you know, the, as in such and such stock valued well, at see, and, Okay, but the unfortunate part for me is we should be valuing people for what they contribute for a whole variety of reasons. Uh, social equity and everything else and I think it's terrible that women have been oppressed just because until recently we were economic king of the hill and we didn't have to worry about maximizing the use of all our resources so we could exploit women and suggest that hey look at you go do your little thing uh, you don't have the you don't have what we need you know for you to to um, progress so the irony in all this the is market works the mar to well, correct these things I know you don't case, really believe no, that in but, this case but, it is but it does there, there are pressures if, if people have valuable attributes. Well, but that's not true because yeah. nurses uh, and truck drivers, I always use truck drivers, make a lot of money. They don't have any education. They're not in demand and they don't need any skills and they don't have much responsibility. Nurses are very much in demand, short supply, have education, responsibility. They're still paid lower. And the market doesn't work in a lot of areas, which I could yes. argue with where women are absolutely uh, devalued and the market doesn't work at all. So, I mean, this whole thing about teachers versus plumbers is another well, good example. Actually, in both those examples, teachers and nurses are not entirely in the market in the sense that they are very... No, here's People what who talk about market always I know. assume not, a perfect market in one instance and then not no, a perfect no, market to is, prove their it's case. It's very distorted. Well, teachers, certainly. I mean, you're talking about public school teachers mostly. I mean, it's... Yeah, that's, but that's a market, that, too. I mean, there's a supply and demand and a, and a market Well, and I think we've seen in the falling quality of teachers as women have had other opportunities that market saying if you don't want if you want better well teachers, this is what people say more. if you want more money why don't you women all become plumbers and that is because the market people assume that everybody just works for money and the point is people uh, work for other than money and that's plumbers. why the market they doesn't become, work uh, all these kinds of new <laughs> brain workers i mean actually it's the it's yeah. the as the as physical skills are less critical women Virginia, are as we know and there's money. all kinds of data as women occupy any uh, profession the status goes down and the pay goes down that's what's happening in medicine if you that's double the number ever. of people entering a labor market no the it's pay only will when go women, down when men when men it, it just doesn't it doesn't happen to be true in all female dominated occupations pay is low and status is low and in all male dominated the more male dominated the higher the status and the higher pay and this is there's been a lot of research done on this at Stanford and it's just fascinating and it does have to do with the fact why don't men janitors become male nurses because nursing is a female occupation and it doesn't have status and it doesn't have pay. If you make more money being a, a janitor than a nurse and you'd say the market would say well for a man why don't you become a nurse, right? Uh, I mean, it's, wait a minute, if you make more money, you no, this over. if it, you make more money being a no, nurse the than point a janitor. Is, yeah, if, if you would make more money being a nurse than a janitor, excuse me, which you do. Well, you need a lot more education to be yeah, a nurse but the than point, a janitor. No, but that's what they say about women, you know, they're not investing in, in, in their careers. Well, they are investing in their careers. I'm just suggesting to you that there is something about gender that really distorts the market, unfortunately. Now, hopefully that'll change. But you will look at sex-segregated occupations, which we still have. And I just don't believe women don't have the brain power to be engineers, you know, 
and they're not I don't going believe that either. I do believe that something happens in junior high where girls get well, afraid of math. What happens is uh, <laughs> a great study at MIT. Women say, I'm not going to put in that investment because I'm treated so shabbily. It's assumed I can't think straight because I'm a woman. I'm not asked to do research. We see it here. No, no, no. This, well, this thing about engineers, this happens much earlier in life. Well, it happens. Uh, it, it doesn't. It's very interesting to observe, well, actually. I remember my cultures. daughter going to Stanford, entered as a freshman, wanted to be an engineer, and was told by the men in engineering engineering, women don't become engineers, you can't think straight, and pushing her into economics. Okay, <laughs> and this was not that long ago. So well, you know, they got new, I got news for them. Economics is plenty hard. <laughs> it was a complete waste of time. She's now in the computer business. <laughs> but at any rate, um, uh, we can uh, agree to disagree. I I do think that gender is a very compelling factor in explaining the underutilization of human resources in this country. And um, I guess my crusade is to suggest that although we are different, not all of us, we bring of uh, added value, to use economic terms, and that we should view this as a way to maximize our competitive uh, competitiveness. Because women in uh, Europe and Asia aren't even where we are. And I'm suggesting that as we begin to see women as an untapped resource, uh, this will make us more competitive. Yeah. And that's really what my work's all about. Want more episodes like this? Don't forget to subscribe and get updates each week for the Free to Choose Media Podcast.